0: Hello, friends. Welcome once again to the Perfect Bound Podcast. This is a podcast all about anything and everything comic books and comics related. Brought to you by the Panel Jumper and the Comic Dungeon. My name is Ben. With me, as always, is Chris Caso. Hello, Nicole Lamb. Hello, and of course, Mr. Cole Hornaday. Hey, Ben. Hey, Cole. Hey, we're wearing similar t-shirts. We are. My t-shirt is uh, the classic Batman. What's
1: yours? Mine is Batthulu. Batthulu. Right,
0: because he's got tentacles off his.
1: Yeah, Farts. he's got. <laughs> my brain had to catch up because I thought it was upside down for a second because no. you had your backward shirt last time. <laughs> but then I was like, "Wait, how can she this be upside, upside down?" Just a little <laughs> bit more. Just a little. Bit. Thanks, Chris. Yeah.
0: I walk, okay, so I walked
2: in. Apparently, I'd worn this shirt that's like you know a t-shirt <laughs> all day long at work inside
0: out. Nobody told me. Which tells you how much I interact with people. Like, well, <laughs> it wasn't that big of a deal. It, I only noticed it because it was one of those shirts the tag. where the tag—the tag wasn't on the back of the collar. The tag is on the side, uh-huh. right? And so it wasn't very obvious unless you were like looking closely at the stitching. But there was like the the seams are you know really pronounced. Yeah, on the inside. just on it. I
2: At first I thought Ben, leave me alone And I was like Oh, he is right And I really (laughs) hate him right now (laughs) Just (laughs) own it Yeah It's a fashion moment. No, no No, it's shame It's no
3: It was a thing In like the early thousands I think Where they had things That had seams on them Or something Like it was a style It didn't live very long But But this is But
0: this is Batthulu With his little tentacles I wore this You wore that for episode five Boy Wonder Years Did I? (laughs) Yeah, because that was The Batman episode (laughs) That's right um,
2: and Ben, we have a picture of Ben and our own uh, a beloved Kyle Stevens, Mr. Kirby Crackle, standing together at one of the shows wearing the same Batman T-shirt.
0: Well, not only were we wearing the same T-shirt, we were also wearing the same black sport coat. Oh, so, is that right? Yeah, oh, we I were knew, dressed exactly that. the same that <laughs> night, which was awesome. Um, so, uh, Chris Casso, you forwarded... It, uh, forwarded. Forwarded, you sent us um, a rather lengthy article from comicspeed.com Sorry where about that. Um, <laughs> I started reading it today. After about a half an hour, I'm like, all right, I'll just yeah, skip to the end. Um, by Brian Hibbs, he and he basically analyzes uh, book sales for the previous year, yes. And you discovered, or not you, but you know, you pointed out that the discovery of the fact that Scholastic makes up about 33% of total book sales.
1: Yeah, as far as... So this is all um, Brian Hibbs looking at Bookscan, which is like the um, larger bookstores like... uh, Barnes & Noble. Noble. They have a POS system, and they can all report to book scans, so they can kind of give a, a feed the information of what's selling. And uh, so a lot of interesting trends came out of it, and he'd been noticing the past few years that Scholastic is just eating up the industry bit by bit. And some of the bigger numbers are, like, specifically that Dave Pilkey, the creator of Dogman and Captain Underpants, is unto a god now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I believe it. Yeah, because, uh, like, to give you an idea you <laughs> Uh, your average normal comic book sales, single issues, if you're lucky, break 60,000, 50,000. And if you're doing really good, 100 something thousand. So Dogman and Cat Kid uh, did 716,000 uh, with in the 2018 wow. chart. And so, one, two, three, four, five. The first six books are all Dogman. Um, yep. And then uh, Raina Telgemeier steps in as the queen. <laughs> and she has drama, smile, sisters, and then. Like ghosts, and then you have other things. The Adventure Zone by the the McElroy brothers stepped in, um, but yeah. So uh, this is just fascinating number breakdowns. Uh, I think overall, let's see. There's this one line he said that of um, books that sold over a hundred thousand copies in the top seven hundred and fifty. Dave Pilkey sold two million seven hundred thirty thousand three hundred twenty-three units, just just him total. And there's a list of, like, 18 people here that are, like... The ones who control the market—they represent 58% of sales, and that includes uh, our friend Kazu Kibushi. He Ooh. came in one, two, three, a fifth place with over 360,000 units sold. Um, and I had no idea Amulet was that popular. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I mean, absolutely. Yeah. So, and this is mm-hmm. worth noting too. So, this is um, this is BookScan. This doesn't take into account things that are sold directly at Scholastic book fairs. Right. Mm-hmm. This is a tip of an iceberg. Yeah. Um, so, and uh, it is interesting also on this list brian k vaughn showed up so that's all the copies of saga and paper girls and everything else selling through BookScan. Mm-hmm. um and uh guys like paul tobin which i figured out is probably because of zombies ben. versus plants Oh,
3: yeah. I think he's doing that. That would make sense. Plants yep. versus Zombies. Plants yeah. vs. Zombies,
1: yeah. Yep. And uh, Nathan Hale, which we do a lot of Nathan Hale's mm-hmm. history books. Um, and then there, it also breaks into manga and all this other stuff. But, yeah, somewhere along there, uh, 33% was mm-hmm. was uh, controlled by phant- uh, uh, Scholastic. Um, so that's just astounding. Yeah. Um, And uh, it's reflective of what we're seeing here at the store. Um, We are starting to do book fairs. And uh, Scott and Laney just went to um, Denny Middle School. And it treated us better than most comic conventions that aren't Emerald City Comic Con. So uh, it is a very good sign that this kind of stuff is selling to this broad of an audience and this demographic. And um, there's just room for growth. Yeah, you know what yeah. you got. I'm not familiar with but a fraction
2: of these books. What what themes and, and characters and uh, uh, storytelling uh, directions are, are so popular? What, what is are what striking the kids
3: fancy? So I think it's a lot of humor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Um Dogman is a dog and a policeman who um, they are sewn together because of a horrible accident. <laughs>
1: yeah. And
3: the dog's head acts like a dog. But they still have a human body. So it's, you know, it's the guy who does Captain Underpants, you know, so.
1: Raina Telgemeier is Slice slice of Life life. drama. And she does
3: Babysitter's Club, which is really great, you know, themes on, yeah. Yeah. Um, so and
1: then yeah. Kazu Sci Fi Portal Portal Stories. Yeah,
3: Portal Stories, and then Nathan Hale's just nonfiction in a very, or, yeah, nonfiction in a very approachable way.
1: History. Yeah. There's
3: still humor in there.
1: One of the best sellers of those is the Abolitionist Tale. Yeah. Um, for us, and otherwise, there's uh, one about World War One, which you know, have fun explaining that one. And um, <laughs> there's one so, about
3: Nathan Hale. Yeah. By a guy named Nathan Hale. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, it's called uh, yeah. Wounded Spy.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's Nathan Hale high school. high school in town, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean this—it's a pretty broad range there, but uh, cool. uh, it's it's fascinating just the Dave Pilkey stuff because the, the the number difference between like his two million copies are—I think the last volume of A Dog Man had a print run of like five million or something total internationally, and it's just kind of like this guy. Like, even if he's only seen, like, a couple bucks of each copy, he's got some money now. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think you and I were talking about it, Ben, a little bit, and you had asked me the question, like, is that a good sign or a bad sign? Or, like, d- do I feel put off that these kind of kitty books, because if you look at them, they're... they they're, Yeah. The dog man's I was fairly simple. I was yes. wondering, yeah. my question to you
0: was uh, this uh this article says that this you know scholastic makes up 33 percent of the of the uh, graphic novel book market and as somebody who's been in comics uh for most of your life and is knowledgeable about everything that's out there and all the quality content that's out there did you have this reaction to yourself there's more to comics than kids
1: books right yeah um and no because i've been wanting specifically <laughs> yeah. Yeah, straight up when i yeah. asked that question yeah, <laughs> yeah. no no the, because i'm i'm generally very tired of the gatekeeper oh, this is not a kids anymore yeah. go read watchmen and you know like like let's have some more rape in that comic you know it's just like uh i'm very tired of people talking about how dark knight is you know the agent of comics and blah 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 um i'm more of a fan of getting people to buy comics yep and i'm more of a fan of getting readers who aren't going to age out on me Mm -hmm. uh like the 50 year olds who are just going to probably stop buying and they get uppity because you know this isn't captain marvel should be a boy not a girl you know stuff like that right it's nice having the kids because then they they can expand their readership and it, it's also in line with the nonprofit because one of the reasons the store became a nonprofit was 2016 happened and the <laughs> elections happened and we want more people to read Yeah, <laughs> we want more people to understand their decisions in life yep. and uh voting so uh the more of this that can get out in any form that can make a a kid want to read is is the goal yeah you know so i'm Absolutely. quite happy to see that you know it'd be a dog man or or whatever like do it yeah. Get it into kids' hands. Do you find that a majority of your sales
0: are aimed towards the young adult market, the kids market?
3: Unfortunately not so much at corner comics at the no. moment. Probably more so at Comics Engine, and especially since we do the grant program here yeah. with the teachers. We we push a, a lot of comics, yep. a lot of kids' comics.
1: And we're taking more of the old ages stuff to the comic conventions like Emerald, because a lot of the people, the vendors at the comic conventions, aren't bringing that stuff. No. They're bringing vintage comics, or they're just bringing normal superhero trades. Mm-hmm. And so when the families go to Emerald City Comic Con, because it is a family event thing to go and, you know, see this... Uh, these, this kind of stuff it's very nice to have stuff for the kids, yep, you know, so uh
0: is that something that you just have to help the parents find, or do you advertise that somehow? yes.
3: <laughs> I mean, we
0: do <laughs> yeah. both. You okay. know, we, yeah.
3: Scott and Laney make these really gorgeous displays at the con, um, and they were always doing something interesting. And so we have a really great display. It's very eye-catching. So if you're just wandering the floor, all of a sudden you'll go, "Oh, look at these!" Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I have so many people coming by, just getting excited about it. We've met a lot of educators and done a lot of networking that way. Um, and so, so yeah. 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 Yeah, all of those things. All of the above. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's part of the trick. Getting getting the name out there that we are a nonprofit. Yeah. You know, a lot of it's just listening to each customer and trying to be a detective and be like, wait, are you an educator? <laughs> <laughs> Let yeah. me tell you something. Yes. You know, yeah. I had that this weekend. I had two different educators come in. They just started talking and a little bit by bit, just like, Hmm, you said your children, but it sounded like many. <laughs> I have what 35 do do? children. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, one of them was an educator that deals with special needs children. And she said, like, oh, they started opening up. And, and I told uh, some of the other teachers, like, give me your kid for, for, for a day here. And let me let me try something with them.
0: Nice. And
1: gave them some comics. And boom. Kid awesome. wanted to read. Nice. Awesome. So, uh, so yeah. So seeing these numbers, and uh, kudos to Brian Hibbs because it's an insane amount of work he did. Uh, <laughs> I'll
0: put the link in the show notes if anybody wants to yeah. read through it. There's
1: a lot of work. He does some stuff too where he's just like he 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 had to create a definition for himself of what counted, and I don't agree 100% with all the decisions. Like um, Diary of a Wimpy Kid, he knocked out. Because it didn't oh, think it was a comic, but I'm like, eh, it is close enough for me. Yeah but also like there's a lot of the books like uh, um, the board books for chill- for like two-year- olds. Um, you know, like Superman is polite. Why? you know It's just like, I count that. It's mm-hmm. fine, you know, it's still a comic. But, uh, but still, he put so much work into it. and uh, a lot of this is just hard data that's like roaming loose in the world that you gotta try and figure out how to explain it. So uh, it's just it's fascinating and it's it's a great resource. So yeah.
3: I, I think uh, a scholastic is a huge reason why we're getting to this point too, because they've inserted themselves in um, school libraries. They've had their book fairs for decades and decades. And a lot of the stuff is scholastic books. Yep.
1: Um,
3: and then making it to you know, the mass market. These kids that come into my store, it's like, it doesn't matter if they've read Dogman 17 times. They want that book and they want to read it 17 more times. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a quality enough book that a kid wants to wear the pages out, mm-hmm. you know? So it's so many kids picking it up wherever they can get their hands on it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah I am um, going back to what you said about um, how Brian determined whether or not a book was a comic. Uh, he hand checked thousands of items on Amazon's "Look Inside" feature mm-hmm. to say to to determine if it was a comic or not. I can't imagine doing that. Yeah. How
3: he he owns like a couple stores. Doesn't he owns he?
1: two stores at least. How so, he do? Yeah.
3: <laughs> Where does he? He has a pocket he dimension. He's holding hours. out on us.
1: On <laughs> yeah, 22 hours a day. He and Louis Carrier <laughs> like should go get
0: drinks. <laughs> he's one of those
3: people who can just sleep like just micro naps, you know, yeah. and just keeps going or something.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or he made all this up. And we're yeah, <laughs> he's a really good writer.
1: He's one of the most vocal uh, voices in comic retail yeah. as a retailer, um, and don't always agree with everything he's got to say, but do value the amount of work and input that he's trying to figure this stuff out. <clears throat>
0: <clears throat> yeah. So, yeah, and he's yeah.
1: done it for that's like his tenth year. Yeah, he was saying like he had spies, his little birds that would get all the information because he didn't have access to the book scan data. And then now they finally invited him, but they say, you can say this, but you can't show a graph. And it's just sort of like, okay, this is fascinating.
3: Behind closed doors, like conversations about book scan. Mm -hmm.
1: You could describe the graph, but you cannot show it, you know. (laughs) Oh my God.
0: Yeah. what percentage of these books are not just for kids, are for adults? Is it would you say it's most of these cuz like I I've leafed through like Dogman and Cat Kid yeah. and uh, I'm like, "Oh, well, it's cute, but I don't as an you know as, a, as an adult, yeah. I don't really think I need to read this, you know, unless I was doing
1: research or something." I feel the Raina Telgemeier stuff has a range. I think it uh, can
3: translate further. Can translate, I yeah. think especially yeah. the Babysitter's Club because yeah. it because of the th- the themes they go through.
1: like i thoroughly enjoyed amulet yeah yeah and yeah, amulet exactly. i think translates pretty well uh i think on the on the top 20 list or whatever adventure zone we mentioned by the Macroy brothers yes that's the only adult book that showed up on that part of the list mm-hmm. and it's worth noticing all of these numbers include amazon i think and adventure zone was like the number one pre-order comic graphic novel for a few months on amazon yeah um Hmm. and that's just because the McElroy brothers are like their own huge pop culture thing right now yeah so yeah
3: i mean even even at my store it's like i'll get a shelf copy or two of a collection I, I like quadrupled
1: that, you yeah. know,
3: which is not, it's like four or five copies, <laughs> but I'm just saying is a lot for me.
1: They're I'm a multiplier a of two or three, at least. It's yeah. still. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, we can have, we can have an episode talking about the Macroid brothers and their effect at some point um, yeah. because they're getting, they, they just got hired by Marvel. It, they're a unit. It's three brothers and their dad. Uh, so when you say the McElroys, you're talking about this unit of people. Mm-hmm. Well, they have a world-famous podcast. Yeah, right? a couple. Of they them. have Adventure a lot. Yeah. Is
2: that, oh, there's more in the oh, Adventure Zone? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah,
1: yeah Adventure it, Zone, my brother, my brother, and I. And each brother has their own separate podcast with, like, their wife and then yep, their Sawbones friends. Yep, yeah. 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 We should have them on the show. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Good luck we with that. And me. then they still
3: do Monster Factory for Polygon, even though they, they don't do. work. I've heard they don't work for Polygon anymore. They so, do, yeah. Yeah.
0: So, All right, That's yeah. fascinating. We will talk about more in depth of the McElroy family, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, but any, any final <laughs> words on the impact that uh, young adults and kids' comics has had on the industry? N- and speaking not just of Scholastic, who just started this like 10, 15 years
1: ago? Yeah. Um, so it doesn't seem to have as much effect on the diamond sort of the direct market, because there's a lot of comic book store owners that are dumb and um, <laughs> stupid stupid no they just don't they don't cater to that demographic it's they, true, they yeah. don't try to um which seems to be a good way to commit suicide in this industry that's already dying Yeah. so uh it seems to be a trend that's building and it doesn't it seems like a safe bet to invest in that trend absolutely and uh yeah Get more kids reading, please. Yeah. No, I'm d-
3: I <laughs> mean, we wanted this it's like, you know, eight years ago, yeah. you know, we, we scrapped, we mm-hmm. tried to grab onto every little nugget we could that was all age material yeah. back in the old location. And now it's like expanded. It's like, you know, what, a fifth of the store or something like a, that. I need another, sto- oh, oh, I need the another store. I need another store for other reasons, but. Yeah, you know. exactly. <laughs> Bursting at the seams. So, and it just seems to be giving more opportunities to people, more uh, diverse um, stories and things like that. So it's just growing and growing and growing and it's a great thing it's what we want
0: Mm -hmm. awesome yep yeah and if you have kids in your life take them to a comic book store there will be stuff for them to read there absolutely uh cool let's move on to book report everybody and mr cole hornaday what do you want to tell us about well um
2: i had a an, an oddball discovery um uh I was feeling a hankering for um, Alan Moore, and I came across this book from Critical Cartoons, which I'd never heard of. It was printed, I think it was. it's called Brighter Than You Think, Ten Short Works by Alan Moore with essays by Mark Sobel. Um, and I believe it was printed in 2016. So I was flipping through it and going, oh, okay, I know that short story from Epic Illustrated from when I was in high school, and, um, and that uh, Pictopia story was from... Um, that Fantagraphics, uh, anything goes. And as I'm flipping through it, there are uh, these are primarily short stories that Alan Moore did with other, with very, with uh, a wide range of artists throughout the late '80s and early '90s, but primarily for benefit books. Um, there's, uh, you know, there's there's one for. Um, uh for um an l like lgbt um, causes aids uh there's one for the 911 uh, uh fundraising there was there was one that was an anti war collection from eclipse called real war stories and i was uh, and uh, uh before i get too far ahead of myself these all of these um, pieces, which you know, and they're, they're printed on, they're reprinted on really nice, uh, sturdy paper stock. And then Mark Sobel has written these um, sometimes five-page essays that accompany the short pieces. And initially, when I read uh, the first one that was uh, his uh, coverage or his essay about um, "Love Doesn't Last Forever," which was from Epic Illustrated's last issue, and I remember this story perfectly because it's Rick Veitch with all these weird illustrations and and wonderful color separations and everything. And I started reading Sobel's essay and I'm like, oh, dear Lord, save me from the pedants. And um, and, and it, it did nothing for me. But I continued to read Sobel's essays after each story and they started to grow on me. And then they started to actually uh, reinforce um, uh, respect and appreciate for Alan Moore that I haven't had for a very, very long time. Um, Alan Moore has a big heart and we have lost touch with that as as far as his creating He donated a lot of these stories to these causes um, and he was a big name and he knew it and he had things he wanted to say. um, He he had philosophies he wanted to espouse. Um, He goes beyond progressive thought and religion in his stuff to a different metaphysical um, exploration of what it means to be a human being and um, I was kind of sad that we, uh, that he, I don't read enough of his work that shares those viewpoints anymore. Um, I think maybe these, uh, um, his his uh, uh, philosophies on love and and uh, and romantic relationships, uh, regardless of. Of, of your your gender distinctions or what have you um in uh, lost girls but uh, beyond that I, I found this to be actually a really thoroughly enjoyable read and I'm glad I got it from the library um and uh, if you can track it down I'm sure it's been out of print and it's probably not been reprinted to my knowledge it's been a while since I've <laughs> yeah. seen a copy yeah um but uh, I was I was glad I got it I mean I have most of these stories there were pleasant surprises of, of, of stories that i you know they were from uh, um, they're from uh, fundraising um, publications that I was not familiar with. And it was uh, uh, it was a real treat to, to come across them. And I also rediscovered um, the voice of an artist that I had
0: kind of lost touch with over the decades. So, Yeah. For being a fussy curmudgeon, Alan Moore sure, sure does contribute a lot to uh, fundraising anthologies. Yep.
1: yep. Cool. I love that curmudgeon. <laughs>
0: Brighter than you think. Thank you, Cole. You're welcome. Uh, Nicole, what do you got for us?
3: Um, so I haven't had a ton of time to be reading comics, so when I do, I kind of go to my happy place, and my happy place is Smutty Slice of Life, Mm -hmm. um, and the new Sunstone Volume 6 called Mercy came out, um... I had debated whether or not doing this because I've already talked about Sunstone before, but this uh, doesn't follow Allie and Lisa, um, which is one through five of the Sunstone series. This takes um, Alan, who is Allie's friend, and his current wife, um, and how like how they kind of got to this point. So, so Sunstone, for those who don't know, is a BDSM rom-com. It's two people falling in love with each other through... Um, S and and it's very, very cute and sweet and sexy. Um, and Alan is is this person who Allie kind of figured out that she was like a dom um, by being with him in college. And so you get a lot of that story in here, a lot of background between their relationship. And then, um, Anne. Her name's Anne. His wife's name is Anne. And Anne is, uh, she's bisexual and this is her story about, um, her uh, her girlfriend that she met through this this metal sh- this metal band that she really really loved. She had a crush on the lead singer, and so did so did her girlfriend. And then they they met through there and uh, fell in love. So I do appreciate this because you don't get a lot of bisexual representation in comics, um, or they tend to be like you know side characters or something like that. Like Menage twa got like everything in the kitchen sink. So I really appreciate that because <laughs> there's a lot of bisexuals in there. Um, but otherwise, it's like Sunstone, Volume 6, I would say. is you know, a really good representation. Um, I It's written by... Stephen <laughs> That's how I'm going to say his name. <laughs>
1: uh, what's that name again?
3: Stephen Shizik. Stephen Shizik. You're not even trying.
1: Stephen <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah.
3: Uh, <laughs> so, um So I'd say that uh, generally I've liked his writing. I think that only uh, uh, I would have a critique that there was a point where they're really just drawing out like the beginning, the beginning scenes. And I was like, okay, I get it, Alan. Like, let's move it along. And then after that, I think it got its flow and and it was able to to go. Um, So it's it's definitely it's definitely sexy. It's definitely mature. Um, It's not. Super gratuitous, but it is Nike. Um, so <laughs> you can't see pants parts. Mm. So that's good. Wait, no, you can't see pants. Well, You, you a- know what? Just be 18 or plus and yeah. read this because I can't gauge anything. I'm too tired. <laughs> uh, but it's a great story. And um, so the Mercy series is going to be following uh, Alan and Anne. And I'm sure there will be even more story after that. Um, because the, he, you know, he, he started on DeviantArt, just making some sexy things. And then all of a sudden he started flushing out the story and now he's super addicted to making the series. He really loves these characters. And so I'm fine. Just keep going. You yeah. know, like a lot of my slice of life stuff is ending soon. So it's like, please don't leave We're me. We're running
1: out of slices.
3: Yeah. <laughs> all the slices <laughs> are gone. So yeah. So Sunstone, it's, um, it's 16.99. It's a pretty good deal, I think, and the artist is really fantastic throughout. Um, You could jump in here if you wanted to because it's just following two different people. I think it helps to have a little bit more background, but, uh. so yeah, you could pick up Volume 6 and thoroughly enjoy it.
0: All right, cool. Thank you, Nicole. Mm -hmm.
1: And finally, Chris Casso, what do you got for us? I read uh, Batman Detective Comics Annual number 2 by uh, Pete Tomasi, the man, the (laughs) legend. Pete! We were talking about last week where they didn't read the tomasi bible and i mean it um so it's a self-contained story that uh is taking place like currently for batman i guess um art is by travis moore and max rayner travis moore section i really like it's very clean uh reminds me of um who that guy who did captain america with ed brubaker Steve Epting. Yeah. It reminds me of Steve Epting. I like nice. that. Nice. Um, and so it's bringing back a old story car- arc um, about the Reaper, which is from year Batman two? Year one? Year two. Oh, Year two. No, year right, two. Year two. And, yeah, and, yeah. Um, and that's always like a, a short story I always liked. It was basically about a, a vigilante that murdered people in Gotham. And Batman kind of handled it kind of not well because he got a gun himself. And uh, bad things happen. But what I really like about this is the... Um, character moments because uh it focuses a bit on um bruce and alfred and batman and commissioner gordon and there's this great part where like commissioner gordon's just talking about like eh, trying not to smoke so much so i'm i'm getting i'm doing lollipops and then he's, he turns to bam's like thanks for the lollipops by the way and Batman's like my pleasure <laughs> and uh and then there's like whole sections with him hanging out with alfred and alfred just being kind of like you know snappy about stuff and he's just like yes oh no bullet holes today That's great. Thanks. Um, So it it feels like just kind of a typical older Batman story, but it's just well done. Um, There's another great part where he's like, oh, I need the black case book, which is a thing that Grant Morrison went back to. And he has a whole bookshelf with books uh, that he wrote named after books that we've read so there's year three year two year one the history of Arkham Assyria's house untold legends the gates of Gotham and it's just like ah, Batman has a case of his own books that's great baseball's the comic book it's exactly like that Um, the the guest artist is fine it it doesn't match the tone from the first half but it's a big book so you kind of needed to get some help on there Um, but yeah it's just a lot of fun if you like the Reaper story which is you know it's it's a memorable story arc. Um this is a nice continuation of it and they do an interesting thing that I won't spoil that means we get more reaper action in the future. Um so yeah, it's just a good self-contained issue, opens up some new story arcs uh and Tomasi the man. So all right. We're good.
0: Cool. Batman Detective Comics Annual Number, number Two. F- number two. Yeah. So many titles. So many things. Unfinished <laughs> business. <laughs> I bet you there's another title
1: inside. Uh, a Damn Raised a Cane? What? I can't make that out. Uh, Adam, Adam raised, raised a Cane. Adam raised a cane. Okay.
0: Huh. All right. Okay. Well, don't get it that one. It's a biblical reference. It is, but it's yeah. kind of a messy yeah. one. Yeah. It is totally <laughs> messy. <laughs> okay, well, Anyway, thank you, Chris. And that is... Book apart, and that is our show. Coming up is quiz time. I totally what forget doing? what I say what here. Are we doing? Yeah, that's okay. uh, you know it by
1: heart. You said it over like two hundred times. Said, You're thinking of like the seventh title to this story. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's exactly it. I'm trying to cap um, it with a bad pun. No, this is this is going to be episode 228, I believe. Wow. And so yeah, we do been this for a while. Well, that is book apart, and that is our show. Coming up is quiz time. But before we go, I want to tell you that the Perfect Bound Podcast is brought to you by the Panel Jumper. See everything Cole Hornaday and I do at. ThePanelJumper.com, as well as Comics Dungeon here at 319 Northeast 45th Street in beautiful downtown Wallingford, or 24 hours a day, seven days a week at ComicsDungeon.com. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or however you get your podcast at PerfectBoundPodcast.com. And I say that because Apple is discontinuing iTunes mm. in the next uh, version of OS, of Mac OS. So iTunes yep. is no longer going to be a thing. Yep. Mm. Apple Podcast is now the thing, so I'm trying that's to a say Apple for you. Podcasts. It is. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, your iTunes stuff isn't going away. It's just gonna transfer to podcasts Apple Music, Apple TV shows, whatever. Right. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Send us an email. Perfect bomb podcast at gmail.com. And now, friends, get your quiz, hats on, it's quiz time. And this week our questions come to us from Mr. Cole Hornaday. What? And he's gonna pretend <laughs> he didn't know. <laughs> what? <laughs> Well, thank you. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you, Chris. You're welcome.
2: Having recently read Annex Theater alumni Glenn Berger's 2014 memoir, Song of Spider-Man, which exposed the catastrophic uh, six-year-long $65 million work in progress... (laughs) Known as the musical Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, I thought it would be jolly good fun to do a quiz time devoted to comics and cartoon properties adapted for the stage. Nice. Are you ready? Yeah. According to all accounts, Broadway's first superhero musical was probably as much the tone-deaf, ham-fisted adaptation of a beloved comic book icon as, yes, Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. But it happened 45 years earlier. Please name the 1966 Broadway production that put The Last Son of Krypton to music. It's a bird. Keep going. It's a plane. Yes. A
1: musical. <laughs> It's a Superman?
2: It's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Yeah, it was a uh, score by Charles Strauss and Lee uh, Adams, who gave us Bye Bye Birdie, the book by David Newman and Robert Benton, uh, who also uh, uh, go on to write screen, the screenplays for Superman and Superman 2 in 1978 and 1980. Mm. However, their original take on Last Sign of, of Krypton and, and the musical was entirely camp. Uh, the, the musical dispensed with many well known characters, and most notably Lex Luthor, in favor of new characters created for the Broadway show. In fact all the characters seen in It's a Bird, It's a Plane, It's Superman um, fans would only recognize, out of all of the characters presented, fans would only recognize Clark, Superman, Lois, and Perry White. Uh, it survived 129 performances on Broadway, and it's been remounted numerous times, including a 2010 uh, uh, production in da- at the Dallas Theater Center with a new book by Roberto Aguirre-Sacasa, wow. um, who also came in, I learned, and doctored the uh, and doctored the uh, script for uh, Spider-Man: Turn Off the Dark. You know, toward the end of the whole, you know, mm-hmm. torture scene. Anyway, moving on. Charles M. Schultz's Peanuts comic strip has been adapted into almost every medium from uh, TV movies, major motion pictures, albums, and guest theater. What was the name of the first Peanuts musical adaptation?
0: You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown? You're a Good
2: Man, Charlie Brown was the first uh, theatrical Peanuts uh, adaptation. The second was a sequel called Snoopy from 1975 uh, with the songs by Mark Genzer. The show premiered off-Broadway in 1967 featuring Bob Balaban, uh, (laughs) Waiting for Guffman and Moonrise Kingdom, and also Gary Burkoff, who was Radar and MASH in the original cast. The off-Broadway production premiered in 1967 and ran for 1,597 performances and opened on Broadway. Broadway in 71 uh-huh. though its initial 1971 Broadway run was short-lived only 32 regular performances the 1999 revival uh, was well received and that production earned four Tony nominations bonus question bonus question what role did Cole Hornaday play in the Central High School 1983 production of you're a good man Charlie Brown Charlie Brown No. Aw, oh, Linus. Yes. <laughs> Snoopy was a good answer. <laughs> no, that was uh, that was a friend of mine who is actually uh, built more like uh, uh, Ben, uh, uh, kind of lean and and wiry and um, yeah, so. hunched over. <laughs> yeah, not hunched <laughs> over at all. Gary Trudeau's one thousand, nine hundred and seventy comic strip followed the lives of a group of college students attending the fictional Walden College, and saw a leap on and saw a leap to the stage in one thousand, nine hundred and eighty-three. Please name the comic strip and the musical. Gary Trudeau. Doonesbury. Doonsbury. The characters in the strip had remained perpetually of college age, but in January 1983, Trudeau announced he would take a two-year hiatus from the strip to bring his characters to Broadway. And notably, the musical Doonesbury marked a college graduation for these characters. Trudeau set to work writing the book and lyrics with Elizabeth Swatos, and Elizabeth Swatos provided the music. The show received mixed notices and closed after 104 performances. Uh, Doonesbury, the musical, remains important, in the history of the Dunsbury comic strip, uh, following the musical adaptation, because Trudeau began illustrating his characters aging in real, in near real time. The Broadway musical was the turning point, which I thought was very interesting. Uh, this musical was based on Alison Bechdel's graphic memoir. <laughs> about her self-discovery prior to and in the wake of her closeted father's suicide and made for one of the most critically acclaimed graphic novels of the 21st century.
3: Fun Home. Fun, Fun home. home.
2: Adapted for the stage by Lisa Crone and Janine Tesori uh, at the historic Circle in the Square Theater. The 2013 production was nominated for 12 Tony Awards, winning five, including Best Musical, where Spider-Man turned off the dark, turned comics into a Broadway punchline, Fun Home changed the rules and the conversation. Lastly, this musical was based on a beloved Nickelodeon animated television series about the famous absorbent resident of Bikini Bottom. SpongeBob. SpongeBob SquarePants made its world premiere in June of 2016 at the Oriental Theater in Chicago. SpongeBob flaunted an extensive list of writers and composers, including uh, Sarah Bareilles, John Legend. Cindy Lauper, Panic at the Disco, They Might Be Giants, David Bowie, and more. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty wild.
0: Oh, thank you, Cole. You're welcome. I, uh, you know, it's funny you mentioned that some of these uh, Broadway failures played for a hundred, 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 some shows. As somebody who's done like twenty shows of a fringe theater, twenty <laughs> feels like a lot. <laughs> I can't, well, and I can't imagine that there were were people who were involved with
2: the Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark production from its inception um, and and six years later when it finally, and it it went through so many mutations or permutations, and was not the same show that they started with. I'm currently listening to the soundtrack because I just had to (laughs) listen to what the songs were like because he talks about them in the book, and um, everybody I've talked, I have talked to a few people who saw it, and everybody thought it was terrible. Awesome. Just like and primarily it's like they didn't understand Spider-Man. They didn't know what they were doing. They right. didn't understand comic books. They didn't understand Spider-Man. Which is that's a misstep right there.
1: Yeah.
0: Well I can't wait for the upcoming Batman musical night moves. All right, here we go. <laughs> Thank you for listening and we will see you next week.